Hello and welcome to D&D Learning the Game. I'm your host, Jason DM, and today we are going to be looking over the Warlock class for when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. So I will be reading through the Player's Handbook. I'll be starting off at page 105 of the Player's Handbook, and uh, I'll cover the the description and explanation of Warlocks, um, and then I'll move into talking about uh, building the class levels one, two, and three. If you're looking for tips on how to play the class after that, then unfortunately this is it. this episode is more focused on just for new players and people that are looking to kind of get a grip on what a warlock is and how to play them. Um, after we've read through the the details of this class, I'll then at the end give a bit of an insight from my perspective on how to play this class. There is a lot of reading involved in this uh, portion of the book. Um, so if if I if I go on a bit, I do apologize. Uh, there's just there's loads to read through with this one. So prepare yourself. Make sure you're sitting comfortably, or make sure that you're keeping yourself busy while you're listening along. Um, but. For those of you that want to read along, it will be page 105, and it begins, Warlock. With a pseudo-dragon curled on his shoulder, a young elf in golden robes smiles warmly, weaving a magical charm into his honeyed words and bending the palace sentinel to his will. As flames spring to life, in her hands, a wizened human whispers the secret name of her demonic patron, infusing her spell with fiendish magic. Shifting his gaze between a battered tome and the odd alignment of the stars overhead, a wild-eyed tiefling chants the mystic ritual that will open a doorway to a distant world. Warlocks are seekers of the knowledge that lies hidden in the fabric of the multiverse. Through pacts made with mysterious beings of supernatural power, warlocks unlock magical effects both subtle and spectacular. Drawing on the ancient knowledge of beings such as fae nobles, demons, devils, hags and alien entities of the far realm, Warlocks piece together arcane secrets to bolster their own power. Sworn and Beholden A warlock is defined by a pact with an otherworldly being. Sometimes the relationship between warlock and patron is like that of a cleric and a deity. Though the beings that serve as patrons for warlocks are not gods, a warlock might lead a cult dedicated to a demon prince, an archdevil, or an utterly alien entity, beings not typically served by clerics. More often, though, the arrangement is similar to that between a master and an apprentice. The warlock learns and grows in power at the cost of occasional services performed on the patron's behalf. The magic bestowed on a warlock ranges from minor but lasting alterations 
to the warlock's being, such as the ability to see in the dark or to read any language, to access to powerful spells. Unlike bookish wizards, warlocks supplement their magic with some facility at hand-to-hand combat. They are comfortable in light armour and know how to use simple weapons. Delvers into secrets. Warlocks are driven by an insatiable need for knowledge and power, which compels them into their paths and shapes their lives. Stories of warlocks binding themselves to fiends are widely widely known. But many warlocks serve patrons that are not fiendish. Sometimes a traveller in the wilds comes to a strangely beautiful tower, meets its fair lord or lady, and stumbles into a pact without being fully aware of it. And sometimes, while poring over tomes of forbidden lore, a brilliant but crazed student's mind is opened to realities beyond the material world and to the alien beings that dwell in the outer void. Once a pact is made, a warlock's thirst for knowledge and power can't be slacked with mere study and research. No one makes a pact with such a mighty patron if he or she doesn't intend to use the power thus gained. Rather, the vast majority of warlocks spend their days in active pursuit of their goals, which typically means some kind of adventuring. Furthermore, the demand of their patrons drive warlocks toward adventure. Creating a warlock. As you make your warlock character, spend some time thinking about your patron and the obligations that your pact imposes upon you. What led you to make the pact? And how did you make contact with your patron? Were you seduced into summoning a devil? Or did you seek out the ritual that would allow you to make contact with an alien elder god? Did you search for your patron? Or did your patron find and choose you? Do you chafe under the obligations of your pact? Or serve joyfully in anticipation of the rewards promised to you? Work with your DM to determine how big of a part your pact will play in your character's adventuring career. Your patrons demand might drive you into adventures or they might consist entirely of small favours you can do between adventures. What kind of relationship do you have with your patron? Is it friendly, antagonistic? uneasy or romantic? How important does your patron consider you to be? What part do you play in your patron's plans? Do you know other servants of your patron? How does your patron communicate with you? If you have a familiar, it may occasionally speak with your patron's voice. Some warlocks find messages from their patrons etched in trees, mingled among tea leaves or adrift in the clouds. Messages that only the warlock can see. Other warlocks converse with their patrons in dreams or waking visions or deal only with intermediaries. I don't know how to say that word correctly. I do (laughs) apologise. 
So uh, before we go over quick build, let's have a look at the levels of a Warlock. So you've got your first, second and third level. The proficiency bonus will remain at plus two. So take a note of that. At first level, a feature that you will gain is otherworldly patron and packed magic. Second level, you'll gain the ability to do eldritch invocations. And then at third level, you'll gain packed boon. At first, second and third level, you will know two cantrips. At spells known, at first level, you will know two. At second level, you will know three. And then at third level, you will know four. Spell slots at first level will be one. Spell slots at second level will be two. And third level, same again, two spell slots. Then it's mentioning here slot level. So at first level, you'll have a slot level of first. Same again at second. And then at third level, second. And then invocations known, you will not know any at first level. Second level, you'll know two. And third level, you'll know two. Slot level, I don't know what that means at the moment. And invocations known, uh, again, I don't really know what that means at this point until I read through the rest of this. So please bear with me. And then we will cover probably slot levels again at the end just to make sure that it's clear on what that means. But anyway, going back down to the quick build on the page 106. You can make a warlock quickly by following these suggestions. First, charisma should be your highest ability score, followed by constitution. Second, choose the charlatan background. And then third, choose the eldritch blast and chill touch cantrips, along with the first level spells charm person and witch bolt. So that follows in line with when I was saying there at first level, you know, two cantrips and two spells. Class features. As a warlock, you gain the following class features. Your hit dice will be 1d8 per warlock level. So at first level, you will be able to take 8 hit points plus whatever your constitution modifier is at. Hit points at higher level will be 1d8 or you can take the average of 5 plus your constitution modifier per warlock level after first. Proficiencies. Your armor will be light armor. Your weapons will be simple weapons that you're proficient in. And then tools, you're not proficient in any tools. Saving throws will be wisdom and charisma. And then your skills, you get to choose two skills from arcana, deception, history, intimidation, investigation, nature, and religion. The two that I would pick would probably be arcana, since you are a magic-based character, and investigation, you do do that quite a lot in the game. And if you're investigating different worlds, places that you're going, as a warlock, you're going to be reading things and paying attention to markings on trees, as it's just said there. Um, and lots of different wonderful little ways that you'll use your warlock. Probably investigation would be the first one that I would pick off the bat. Um, equipment. You start with the following equipment in addition to the equipment granted by your background. So you either get a light crossbow and 20 bolts or any simple weapon. You then get a component pouch or an arcane focus. You'll then get a scholar's pack or a dungeoneer's pack. You'll then wear leather armor. You'll have another simple weapon if you want to pick a simple weapon. And you'll then have also two daggers. 
otherworldly patron. At first level, you have struck a bargain with an otherworldly being of your choice, the Archfey, the Fiend, or the Great Old One, each of which is detailed at the end of the class description. Your choice grants you features at first level, then again at 6th, 10th, and 14th. Pact Magic, another feature that you get at first level. Your arcane research and the magic bestowed on you from your patron have given you facility with spells. See chapter 10 for the general rules of spellcasting and chapter 11 for the warlock spell list. So um, you can also listen to me talking over the general rules on spellcasting if you go to the podcast episode that is about spellcasting. So cantrips. You know Two cantrips of your choice from the Warlock spell list. You learn additional Warlock cantrips of your choice at higher levels, as shown in the cantrips known column of the Warlock table. Spell slots. The Warlock table shows how many spell slots you have. The table also shows what the level of those slots is. All of your spell slots are the same level. To cast one of your Warlock spells of first level or higher, you must expend a spell slot. You regain all expended spell slots when you finish a short or long rest. For example, when you're fifth level, you have two third level spell slots. To cast the first level spell Witch Bolt, you must spend one of those slots and you cast it as a third level spell. Spells known of first level and higher. At first level, you know two first level spell slots of your choice from the Warlock spell list. The spells known column of the Warlock table shows when you learn more Warlock spells of your choice of first level or higher. A spell you choose must be of a level no higher than what's shown in the table's slot level column for your level. When you reach sixth level, for example, you learn a new Warlock spell which can be first, second or third level. Mm -hmm. Additionally, when you gain a level in this class, you can choose one of the Warlock spells you know and replace it with another spell from your Warlock spell list, which also must be of a level for which you have spell slots. Spellcasting ability. So charisma is your spellcasting ability for your Warlock spells. So you use your charisma whenever a spell refers uh, to your spellcasting ability. In addition, you use your charisma modifier when setting the saving throw DC for a warlock spell. You cast and when making an attack roll with one. Spell save DC, so the difficulty check for a spell save will be 8 plus your proficiency bonus, which will be plus 2 if your level is 1, 2 or 3, plus your charisma modifier. So whatever that's sitting at, you get to add that on. So it's basically 10 plus whatever your charisma modifier is. Then spell attack modifier, your will be your proficiency bonus plus your charisma modifier. So levels one, two, and three will be two plus whatever your charisma modifier is. And that's the attack modifier that gets added on when you're doing a spell attack that asks you to do a ranged spell attack. Spell casting focus. So you can use an arcane focus, see chapter five equipment as a spell casting focus for your warlock spells. Next is Eldritch invocations. So in your study of occult lore, you have unearthed eldritch invocations 
fragments of forbidden knowledge that imbue you with an abiding magical ability. So this is only available if you're if you're going into second level. So at second level, you gain two eldritch invocations of your choice. Your invocation options are detailed at the end of the class description. When you gain certain warlock levels, you gain additional invocations of your choice as shown in the invocations known column of the warlock table. I said that as if I was singing it there. Uh, so at second level, you'll know two and third level, you'll know two. Eldritch invocations. Additionally, when you gain a level in this class, you can choose one of the invocations you know and replace it with another invocation that you could learn at that level. Pact Boon. So this comes at third level. At third level, your otherworldly patron bestows a gift upon you for your loyal service. You gain one of the following features of your choice. So you gain Pact of the Chain. You learn the find familiar spell and can cast it as a ritual. The spell doesn't count against your number of spells known. When you cast the spell, you can choose one of the normal forms of your familiar or one of the following special forms, imp, pseudo-dragon, quasist, quaist, <laughs> or sprite. Additionally, when you take the attack, attack action, you can forgo one of your own attacks to allow your familiar to make one attack of its own with its reaction. Pact of the Blade. You can use your action to create a packed weapon in your empty hand. You can choose the form of this melee weapon takes each time you create it. So see chapter 5 for the weapon options. You are proficient with it while you're wielding it. This weapon counts as magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. That is quite powerful. That is a really powerful thing to gain, especially if you're going to be fighting things like ghosts um, that might only be damaged by magic. To have a magical weapon in a fight like that at an early level is pretty sweet to have. Uh, your packed weapon disappears if it is more than five feet away from you for one minute or more. It also disappears if you use this feature again, if you dismiss the weapon, no action required, or if you die. You can transform one magical weapon in your packed weapon by performing a special ritual while, while you hold the weapon. You perform the ritual over the course of one hour, which can be done during a short rest. You can then dismiss the weapon, shunting it into an extra dimensional space and it appears whenever you create your packed weapon thereafter. You can't affect an artifact or a sentient weapon in this way the weapon ceases being your packed weapon if you die if you perform the one hour ritual on a different weapon or if you use a one hour ritual to break your bond with it the weapon appears at your feet if it is in the extra dimensional space when the bond breaks finally pact of the tome your patron gives you a grimoire called a Book of Shadows. When you gain this feature, choose three cantrips from any class's spell list. The three needn't be from the same list. While the book is in your person, you can cast those cantrips at will. They don't count against your number of cantrips known. If they don't appear on the warlock spell list, they are nonetheless warlock spells for you. If you lose your Book of Shadows, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to receive a replacement from your patron. 
This ceremony can be performed during a short or long rest and it destroys the previous book. The book turns to ash when you die. So, otherworldly patrons. The beings that serve as patrons for warlocks are mighty inhabitants of other planes of existence. Not gods, but almost godlike in their power. Various patrons give their warlocks access to different powers and invocations and expect significant favours in return. Some patrons collect warlocks, doling out mystic knowledge relatively freely or boasting of their ability to bind mortals to their will. Other patrons bestow their power only grudgingly and might make a pact with only one warlock. Warlocks who serve the same patron might view each other as allies, siblings, or rivals. So the Arch Fae. Your patron is a lord or lady of the Fae, a creature of legend who holds secrets that were forgotten before the mortal races were born. This being's motivations are often inscrutable and sometimes whimsical, and may involve a striving for greater magical power or the setting of age-old grudges. Beings of this sort of include the Prince of Frost, the Queen of Air and Darkness, ruler of the Gloaming Court, Tatiana of the Summer Court, her consort Ober- Oberon, the Green Lord, his Sam, the Prince of Fools, and Ancient Hags. Expending Spell List. Or sorry, Expanded Spell List. The Arch Fae lets you choose from an expanded list of spells when you learn a Warlock spell. The following spells are added to the Warlock spell list for you. So, Spell Level of First is Fairy Fire and Sleep. Let me just check the spell level. Um, so at third, so if you gain third level on a Warlock, you will also be able to choose Calm Emotions and Phantasmal Force. So at first level and second level, if you choose the Arch Fae as your otherworldly patron, basically you gain an expended spell spell list and at first level you'll gain fairy fire and sleep second level as a warlock you'll still have those as your choice and then at third level you gain a level up uh, in slot level so that means that you yeah that you now know calm emotions and phantasmal force as well as you gain another feature called fey presence Starting at first level, your patron bestows you the ability to project the beguiling and fearsome presence of the Fae as an action you can cause each creature in a 10-foot cube originating from you to make a wisdom saving throw against your warlock spell save DC. The creature creatures that fail their saving throws are all charmed or frightened by you they're your your choice until the end of your next turn. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short rest. It can also be a long rest as well. 
And that's really all that you'll gain between levels 1, 2 and 3 as a warlock. Um, so the next other patron that you can choose is the Fiend. So you've made a pact with a Fiend from the lower planes of existence, a being whose aims are evil even if you strive against those aims. Such beings desire the corruption or destruction of all things, ultimately including you. Fiends powerful enough to forge a pact include demon lords such as Demogorgon, Orcus, Fraz Urb Lu, and Baphomet. Archdevils such as Asmodeus, Dispater, Mephistopheles, and Bilal. Pit fiends and ballers that are especially mighty, and Ultraloths and other lords of Yugoloths. So you'll gain an expanded spell list, much like the Fae, or the Arch Fae, uh, at first level spell slots, you'll gain Burning Hands and Command, and then at second level, you'll gain Blindness, Deafness, and Scorching Ray. So you will only have available uh, at first and second level as a Warlock, the spell level of first, so that will be Burning Hands and Command, will be options that you can have in choosing as your spells. And then at third level as a Warlock, you gain the access to second level spell slots so that will be a you'll be able to choose blindness deafness or scorching ray if you want to add them into your spells you'll then also gain at starting at first level dark one's blessing when you reduce a hostile creature to zero hit points you gain temporary hit points equal to your charisma modifier plus your warlock level and at least it needs to be to at least a minimum of one and then next is the other patron that you can choose, the Great Old One. Your patron is a mysterious entity whose nature is utterly foreign to the fabric of reality. It might come from the far realm, the space beyond reality, or it could be one of the Elder Gods known only in legends. Its motives are incomprehensible to mortals, and its knowledge so immense and ancient that even the greatest libraries pale in the comparison to the vast secrets it holds. The Great Old One might be unaware of your existence or entirely indifferent to you, but the secrets you have learned allow you to draw your magic from it. Entities of this type include Ganadar, called That Which Lurks, Tharazdun, the Chained God, Dendar, the Night Serpent, Zargon, the Returner, Great Cthulhu, and other unfathomable beings. Just need to go over the page now to 110. So you'll gain an expanded spell list, much like the uh, other uh, patrons that you can choose. So at first and second level, you have access to Dissonant Whispers and Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Then when you become third level warlock, you'll then gain access to second level spells. So you'll have detect thoughts and phantasmal force as options as well. You'll also gain the feature awakened mind. Starting at first level, your alien knowledge gives you the ability to touch the minds of other creatures. You can telepathically speak to any creature you can see within 30 feet of you. 
You don't need to share a language with that creature for it to understand your telepathic utterances, but the creature must be able to understand at least one language. So, we're nearly done with this, I think. So we just need to cover the eldritch invocations that you gain. So there's quite a list of different eldritch invocations. So if an eldritch invocation has prerequisites, you must meet them to learn it. You can learn the invocation at the same time that you meet its prerequisites. A level prerequisite refers to your level in this class. So, uh, Agonising Blast, the prerequisite for that is the Eldritch, Eldritch Blast cantrip. When you cast Eldritch Blast, add your Charisma modifier to the damage it deals on a hit. Armor of Shadows, you can cast Mage Armor on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components. That's a very powerful ability to have, so please bear that in mind. The next one, I'm going to skip the Ascendant step because you'll only gain that in 9th level, so we'll go straight to Beast Speech. You can speak with animals at will without expending a spell slot. Another very powerful ability to have when you're more in the conversation part of the game when you're out adventuring you can just pull any animal and start talking about them beguiling influence you gain proficiency in the deception and persuasion skills next one i'm skipping over bewitching whispers as a prerequisite for that is seventh level uh, the book of ancient secrets or so the prerequisite for this is the pact of tome feature you can now inscribe magical rituals in your Book of Shadows. Choose two first-level spells that have the ritual tag from any class's spell list. The two needn't be from the same list. The spells appear in the book and don't count against the number of spells you know. With your Book of Shadows in hand, you can cast the chosen spell as rituals. You can't cast the spells except as rituals unless you've learned them by some other means. You can also cast a warlock spell you know as a ritual if it has the ritual tag. On your adventures, you can add other ritual spells to your Book of Shadows. When you find such a spell, you can add it to the book if the spell's level is equal to or less than half your warlock level rounded up and if you can spare the time to transcribe the spell. So for each level of spell, the transcription process takes two hours and costs 50 gold pieces for the rare inks needed to inscribe it. So I'm going to skip over Chains of Carceri, so you need a prerequisite of 15th level for that, so you don't need to worry about that. Devil's Sight, uh, you can see normally in darkness, both magical and non-magical, to a distance of 120 feet, so that's double the distance that anyone who normally has dark vision through their race because they can only see 60 feet i believe so that's again quite powerful worth having when you're in dark tomes etc tombs tomes i don't know what i'm saying anyway dreadful word prerequisite seventh level uh, so we don't need to worry about that eldritch sight you can cast detect magic at will without expending a spell slot then there's Eldritch Spear, so prerequisite for that is Eldritch Blast Cantrip. When you cast Eldritch Blast, its range is now 300 feet. Eyes of the Runekeeper, you can read all writing. Fiendish Vigor, you can cast False Life on yourself at will as a first level spell without expanding a spell slot or material components. Gaze of Two Minds. 
you can use your action to touch a willing humanoid and perceive through its senses until the end of your next turn. As long as the creature is on the same plane of existence as you, you can use your action on subsequent turns to maintain this connection, extending the duration until the end of your next turn. While perceiving through the other creature's senses, you benefit from any special senses possessed by that creature and you are blinded and deafened to your own surroundings. So I'm going to go over Life Drinker, prerequisites 12th level. Next is Mask of Many Faces. You can disguise, you can cast disguise self at will without expending a spell slot. Master of Myriad Forms, prerequisite for that is 15th level, so we can skip that. Minions of Chaos, Chaos is prerequisite 9th level, so we can skip that. Mire of Mind, prerequisite is 5th level, can skip that. Misty Visions. You can cast Silent Image at will without expending a spell slot or material components. One with the Shadow has a prerequisite of 5th level, so we'll skip that. Otherworldly Leap, prerequisite 9th level, skipping past. Repelling Blast, prerequisite Eldritch Blast cantrip. When you hit a creature with Eldritch Blast, you can push the creature up to 10 feet away from you in a straight line. Sculptor of Flesh, prerequisite 7th level, skipping over that. Sign of Ill Omen, prerequisite 5th level, skipping over that. Thief of Five Fates, you can cast Bane once using a Warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Thirsting Blade, prerequisite 5th level, skipping. Visions of Distant Realms, prerequisite 15th level, skipping. Voice of the Chain Master, so the prerequisite for this is the Pact of the Chain feature. You can communicate telepathically with your familiar and perceive through your familiar senses as long as you are on the same plane of existence. Additionally, while perceiving through your familiar senses, you can also speak through your familiar in your own voice, even if your familiar is normally incapable of speech. Whispers of the Grave, prerequisite, ninth level, skipping past, and then Witch Sight, prerequisite, 15th level, skipping past that and that is that for this one so i did say there was quite a lot in here and it's very wordy if you're wanting to become a warlock as your first ever character the first time you ever play dungeons and dragons there's quite a lot to take in there um to make it easy on you uh, the quick build is probably the, the easiest way of looking at it so like you're you can make a warlock quickly by following these suggestions. First, charisma should be your highest ability score followed by your constitution. Second, choose the charlatan background. And then third, choose the eldritch blast and t chill touch cantrips along with first level spells, charm person and witch bolt. Then after that, you choose a patron and then you also gain the packed magic that comes from that. So um, you will... You, so yeah so make sure that you take the, your time with this one so you can't just throw a warlock together um after reading that you you're probably going to have to spend about half an hour making sure that you take a note of all the different little bullet points so just remember at first level you have otherworldly patron and packed magic read those two and make sure that you know them at second level then you'll want to look over your eldritch invocations that you've gained and then at third level packed boon so you get to choose a different like a pact when you get to that third level keeping it easy 
um, I, if I had to recommend one for you to pick straight off the bat, it's entirely up to you. I don't think I could make that decision for you. Um, it's dependent on the spells that you probably want from each pack. So at first level, you'll gain Dissonant Whisper, Artasha's Hideous Laughter if you choose the Great Old One. If you choose the Fiend, you'll gain Burning Hands and Command. And then if you choose the Archfey, you'll also gain Fairy Fire and Sleep. I'd probably just go for the Fiend as it gains you Burning Hands and Command. Pretty straightforward spells, uh, very easy to understand. Uh, sleep can be actually really powerful if you choose the Archfey. Great old one. Um, I've never really used either of them. Dissonant Whispers or Tasha's Hideous Laughter. So I can't comment on them. I've never really seen them be used in when I've been DMing either. So I can't I can't uh, comment on them. You can look them up and see what you, th you think of those spells. But if, if I would pick one, I'd probably go with the Fiend if I was starting off at first level. First ever time playing a Warlock. Um... It does mention even in the, the the creating a warlock part to talk to your DM about doing this build. Be open with them and just say, hey, look, I'd probably each level want to experiment with different builds of this until I get what I feel is what I want mine to be. Again, you could look at it as just this is an RPG. You are playing a role. It could be that you're just going down a a path blindly much like your character and you're just picking things as you go along and seeing what works much like a, a warlock would probably do in the real world um again you can read into this as much as you want a warlock i would say is probably more powerful than a sorcerer uh since i just read the sorcerer pages looking at it you you Probably as a sorcerer, in terms of having the kind of wilder magic that you have, you will have more control over that uh, random component of the game that comes with a summoner or a sorcerer. Sorry. So as a sorcerer, you 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 will have this table of wild magic surges that can happen, but you know that they won't happen unless you either roll a one i think or if you use any of your fonts of magic to to kind of um or sorry your meta magic i think as well so if you use any particular types of your your sorceress magic it will affect the world in that there can be a wild magic sword whereas as a warlock coming back to the warlock you do not have control over when your patron begins to have a conversation with you and they can make you do some weird messed up stuff and it's completely probably at the dm's discretion now have i played many adventures where it's got it written in that this is where like a patron would appear no and i've even i, I mean i've been making my way through um Descent into Avernus, which is just reading that there, like it would be perfect for in Descent to Avernus for there to be a fiend who happens to be your patron who appears and you get to talk to, specifically Asmodeus or even Baphomet could appear. I think they're in the book. Uh, I think Baphomet is. Yeah, Baphomet. Baphomet is in the book. Asmodeus is too powerful. He's like super, 
super powerful in in the nine hells. But anyway, um, yeah, do a wee bit of reading into the the different patrons that you can pick up because it's probably a good reading when you when you start to understand your patron and what they can give you there might even be expand expanded lists if you go and look on the dms guild um just type into google dms guild you'll you can probably type into the search bar patrons uh, or warlock patrons and there's probably a good expended amount of patrons that you can pick. So the three that they've given you in this book are not the only three that I expect to be your your options. And you probably will get better better options in terms of spells. But there's there's a lot to 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 take there um away from it. So if you were say going straight in at third level, I'd be picking uh get your get your patron picked. Make sure that you know your 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 cantrips and spell slots all written down. Make sure that you pick a pact as well. So your pact boon, do you want the, the tome, so the book that gives you extra spells? Do you want the, the pact of the blade so that you can call on an, an option? Or do you want pact of the change so you learn find familiar? Um, which I, I, I think allows you to basically summon a being. <laughs> into existence and, and make and, and then even when you use your your invocations suddenly you can communicate through them and, and see through them and sense through them. So there's there is a lot to take bullet points of there. Uh, but I would just say take your time going through the book. Get the the pages up. So you're wanting to to get pages one oh five through to one 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 of the player's handbook or just look it up on google uh, if you just type in uh, warlock dnd 5e because i think that you do have to spend probably a good amount of time but half an hour just reading through this and making sure that you understand the 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 different options that you have because you have quite a lot of freedom and i think after reading that the warlock is quite powerful so advice on the three main elements of the game. So conversations, traveling, and battling. Let's start with conversations. You are naturally going to be charismatic or charismatic. So make sure that you're in about conversations, chatting away, uh, because you will probably be able to investigate. You'll be able to use your arcana. You'll be able to deceive. You'll be able to intimidate. You're, you're going to have... Your, your high constitution, eh, high charisma mixed in with the skills that you've chosen as well. And the skills are all good ones for in the middle of conversations, like choosing arcana, deception, history, intimidation, investigation, nature, or religion. You get to pick two of them. And all of them are sound skills to be proficient in for in conversation parts of the game. Next up is the traveling and uh, survival of the world. Again, uh, history could probably be your big one there, mixed in with nature. Uh, but other than that, pretty much just survive. <laughs> Rely on the others around about you. When you're traveling about, uh, you may come across some wonderful little uh, situations that can happen. You do get a technically pick uh scholar's pack or a dungeoneer's pack, so you shouldn't have to bother too much about, you know, um, 
situations being thrown at you where you might not have the correct equipment to deal with it. But that being said, keep your cards close to your chest when you're out surviving in the wild, just in case you've got a DM that likes to throw some random weird stuff into the mix. And play to your strengths. Use your magic. You've got magic for dealing with surviving, so make sure that you look at it and and try and be creative with the different ways that you can use your 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 spells. So using your familiar, make it appear and make it go hunting while you're all sleeping. Why not? And then uh, third part, fighting. So your hit dice is one d eight which can give a little bit of false security to Warlock's thing. And even the book tells you, oh, you're meant to be a fire. But let's be honest, there's nothing here saying that you need to be, that you have a high AC, uh, so armor class. So th- use the mage armor that you've been given as your your uh, eldritch ability. Um. And make sure that you use it pretty much every time that you go into any fights. Stay back. I would recommend uh, picking the light crossbow and 20 bolts so that you're not in the in the mix. Because at level, especially at level 1 and 2, you are squishy. It, it, like I said, it can create this false pretense. Oh, I can take a hit. But to be honest with you, at levels 1, 2, maybe even 3, you are still going to be put down with potentially one or two hits so be aware that you need to keep moving back away from the fight and using your spells send in your familiar if you've got that at third level but other than that you you won't have that so keep moving back and keep creating distance loose an arrow or use eldritch blast whatever's (laughs) the best for you and just keep moving just keep moving until you start to feel that you're gaining a bit of power which should be around about third level and beyond so that is that for today talking about a warlock um thank you very much for listening along today i understand today's a little bit of a longer one but we got there in the end um Thank you again for, for listening along. I uh, hope you're having a wonderful day. If you are wanting to support the podcast, please go to my Twitter account at JasonDM14 and give me a wee follow. Or you can also support the podcast in the charity work that we're doing. So you can go to the DMs Guild. And if you type in the Tomb of the Headstone Helm, you will see that it's completely pay whatever you like. So you can pay whatever you want towards that and whatever's paid towards it will be put in towards charity, working with kids with learning disabilities to play D&D and to help them socially develop as well. So that is that for today. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Take care. Goodbye.